Hi there, and welcome to the VMware WAG with Mike Laverick. Yes, I'm making up new words by the go-go. I had chin wag, vendor wag, SMB wag. I've got to stop putting the word wag at the end of these words because nobody will know what they mean. Um, but the um, whole point of the, the VMware WAG is to uh, each week or each every other week is to try and focus in on a particular aspect of um, VMware's technologies. And of course, uh, we've had this big vSphere 5.1 release, which obviously means changes to Virtual Center. Uh, with me today, I've got Justin King, who's the Senior Technical Marketing Manager for Virtual Center. Justin, can you just quickly introduce yourself? Like, where are you? Where are you from? And uh, how did you happen to be there in charge of Virtual Center? Sure. Hey, Mike. Uh, this is, uh, um, for those that don't know me, uh, this is Justin King. Uh, I'm with Technical Marketing at VMware. And I head up uh, anything that touches uh, vSpanner server itself, I'm pretty much involved with. So I'm based out of Austin, Texas, although my accent doesn't give that away, hopefully. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm originally from uh, the, the uh, motherland like you uh, with uh, the UK. But uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk on uh, vSpanner vSpanner server 5.1 today, Mike. Okay, cool. I don't know what's so bad about having a Texas accent. You'll have to be careful what you say. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so um, if, if you could just move us on a slide, I, I could sort of uh, tell people how we're going to structure this. So uh, a bit like uh, the uh, VMware WAG I did with Cormac Hogan on storage, we've got quite a bit of content to get through. So what me and Justin have worked out is a kind of three-parter for this. Uh, first part that you're going to see uh, today. Second part, we're going to look at the vSphere web client and a performance. And at part three, we're going to look at the virtual center appliance. Um, but before we get into the main content, I've got a kind of leading question. And I must admit, I, I put this on our own internal social cast. And knowing Justin well, I should have actually just asked the guy directly rather than sticking on, on social cast and hoping it would picked up, which is about the feature parity between Virtual Center, the installable or Windows edition, if you want to call it that, and the feature parity with Virtual Center, the appliance, which is based around Suzy. Do these two virtual centers have the same support and parity nowadays? Yeah, so that, that's a, a great question, Mike, because that's something that's definitely not just through yourself, but something that's been coming up uh, in, in my arena as well. And obviously, this is now the second release, although it's a dot release, this is the second release of the, the vCenter server appliance. But actually, going all the way back to day one, uh, the vCenter server appliance and the installable vCenter server, they actually share the same API, so they have the same functionality between the two. What's been the gotchas in the, in the earlier releases is where there's you know, solutions uh, like, for example, View Composer that requires something to be installed directly on the vCenter server, and that has been uh, sort of one of the gotchas of, of supporting a view environment, uh, as well as just testing with, with, with the other solutions out there. But uh, uh, hit on the nail, the appliance has the same functionality as the, uh, the installable Windows uh, version of vCenter Server. And when we get to part three, we've got some great stuff uh, to, to, to highlight that and back that up uh, and with some of the use cases that we've had here at VMware. I mean, some of that uh, support changed uh, with VMware View 5.1 because it, uh, I think, was the first edition that allowed the Composer service to be installed somewhere else from from Virtual Center. So even before the vSphere 5.1 release, we were closer and closer to feature parity, weren't we? Exactly. The, the, the biggest uh, issue is is purely being around the database. Most most people today have a SQL Server database. 
they have ownership of that server themselves. They don't have DBAs uh, mandating the, the use cases around the database. And so they have the flexibility and uh, the appliance obviously has been lacking uh, SQL Server support. It still does today, but uh, we've, uh, we've, we've done some changes there and uh, um, we, we feel that, you know, the, the SQL Server support or lack of support will be a, a non-issue and, and definitely part three. I'd love to share this with you. Great. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's head off into what's new then. Yeah, so obviously uh, this is a dot release. Uh, so we really, it's, it's kind of geared around uh, update service pack type of features where we've actually made, made some huge headway with, with some of the, the features that we have brought into uh, uh, the vCenter Server 5.1. Just, you know, you and I both look at vCenter Server, we've both worked with it for a very long time, and we kind of see it as a single application. And that's what we really want to move away from. We want vCenter Server to be the management platform, uh, providing the framework that all of your other solutions that enhance your virtualization data center uh, build on top of. And so to get there, you know, it's not going to happen in one release, but we're going we're gonna to do our best with, with new features as we go forward. But the, uh, one of the first areas is obviously authentication. Authentication has been an issue. We'll touch base on that in a lot of detail in a second. But we're introducing a, a vCenter single sign-on server, which allows us to provide a more secure session as you access the solutions in your environment. We've uh, updated the inventory service. Inventory service was actually there in 5.0, and a lot of people kind of uh, skipped over that. But it actually helps with a caching of the inventory. Uh, but we've enhanced it with the, with the 5.1 release by including a new uh, technology called tagging. And there's, there's some great future uh, capabilities of tagging. And in its first release, uh, it's going to be, it's, it's, so far, it's been really well received. And then something that I'm very passionate about is uh, the vSphere web client. We've, we've been using this desktop client for so long. It's, it's been tried and tested. But will it work in the future? And, and that's where we're, we're moving to a, a, a more portable, more platform-friendly uh, client. And in part two, we'll definitely uh, dive into these details. But in short, the vSphere web client is full functional to the desktop client and allows cross-platform connectivity. So that's uh, like you and me with Macs, we can now use uh, our, our browser to, to administer our environments. And I think the important thing about that is that not only do you get feature parity with the old C-sharp uh, vSphere client, there are things you can only do with the web client which simply aren't available in for what we might call the legacy client from this point onwards. Absolutely. In, in fact, all the new features like the single sign-on server and the tagging are only available from administration perspective through this new web client. You will not find these in the desktop client. So great, great uh, point there, Mike. And then another area is uh, a lot of our, our bigger customers, they have a lot of pain points with the database. The database is growing faster than expected. I have uh, my levels of logging, and our engineering have uh, reviewed a lot of this information, and they've made some, uh, some great headway in getting better performance out of the database and in fact, out of the vSphere environment period. And we've got some great uh, uh, great metrics to share with you uh, as we get to, uh, to cover the, the performance side. And what, one big thing here is obviously as we get into this, this framework, we have the separation of these components. So I can now modulize my, my framework, my, my management platform. I don't have to have that single application server with everything running 
uh, on a single VM or single physical server, if anyone's still doing that, I have the ability as my environment grows to distribute these, these components. And so the separation definitely reduces direct communication on some of the core services, uh, thus helping even more with, with uh, the performance of the environment. So let, let's talk uh, single sign-on, Mike. So with the, the vSphere web client, we're actually logging in to a security domain. You know, Today, with the desktop client, you're going to connect directly to the vCenter. You're authenticated directly with the Active Directory. And that's limited to a single, obviously, a single Active Directory domain. And uh, can limit a couple of uh, uh, scenarios. We, I speak to customers that have Linux-only shops, and it's like, you make me run this, run this one Windows VM just so I can have authentication and, and things like that. So with the, the vSphere web client, you don't actually have a, a vCenter server that you want to specify. If I expand this here, you're going to log in with just a username and password. So it's like, well, what am I logging into, Mike? What, where, where, what, what am I going to connect to at this point? So the idea is you log into the cloud infrastructure suite or the vCloud suite as we're, we're moving this into. And this will then authenticate you against your Active Directory, multiple Active Directories. We can even work with Open LDAP, and we can upgrade from NIS uh, connectivity as well. So we have a broader range of users that can actually access uh, the vSphere web uh, uh, the vSphere data center now without having to go uh, and, and uh, manually configure all of those connections. It's also very uh, um, great for, you know, we have multiple sites in our environments, things like that, and I don't need to have a separate, uh, I can have a separate vCenter for my off-site location, but I still have it all piled in on this single pane of glass now, which allows me to uh, thus provide uh, more effective administration. Oh, you said a naughty word there in my book, the single pane of glass. People will be shouting now. You said single pane of glass. One Spend of the <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fix that, don't you worry. <laughs> One of the things I've been saying about the, the new single sign-on service is, and I guess it kind of comes from my recent use of Horizon as an employee, but also setting up Horizon for the end-using computing book that I wrote, is that's a single sign-on process from which you gain access to resources. You only have to log in once. So I've been sort of, it's probably wrong for me to say this, but I'm saying to people, this is like Horizon, but for your infrastructure environment, you log into it and you gain access across multiple systems uh, that you have privileges to. I mean, is that a silly analogy for me to use or is it a fair one? No, um, that, that's actually a pretty good use case. I may even start using that myself, uh, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, you basically logging in to what you what I call a security domain or your vSphere infrastructure. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a single data center. It could be multiple data centers. And what you're presented with once you get past the authentication with the web client, you're presented with what you have access to, and it's all displayed in in various uh, uh, information on the screen. So, you know, something that I actually learned myself last week speaking to one of the product managers was. This could actually be hosted through Horizon, so you could actually log into Horizon and be given the vSphere web client. Mm, that I like. Yeah. So let's uh, let's. Wh why are we changing this? You know, I mentioned obviously we we talked about Active Directory, a single domain, and there's there's you know there's other users out there, but let's let's step back even further than that. You know, so today we obviously have that that requirement for Active Directory. Then we have our vSphere environment. 
And what, what do we do with this vSphere environment? Well, we get our VCD, for example. We, we define a, a user within the same Active Directory to administer my VCD environment. We do the same thing with vCenter. And we add our ESXOS into Active Directory as well so that we have you know, multiple uh, endpoints, multiple levels of administration. But at the end of the day, it's the same user account in that Active Directory that's working with these solutions. But what happens when I go from vCenter into my VCD or I want to go in and connect to my ESX host? I'm prompted for that username and password again, which, you know, over time can, can be quite cumbersome. And so the idea is we, you know, we're lacking that true single sign-on across our solutions today. We want to be able to, to slipstream this so that a solution can trust another solution, meaning that when I go from my vCenter to VCD, I'm already authenticated. I, give me, give me, give me the administration pane. Give me, give me the information I need. Don't, don't be keep prompting me for credentials, etc. So that's kind of where we are today. Obviously, this is limited to a single Active Directory. So with this, this single sign-on uh, service allows us now, and we're going to see. Uh, I've got a nice animation coming up in a, in a minute, but this allows us then to provide authentication with the single sign-on server, not Active Directory direct directly. That's a tongue twister right there, Mike. <laughs> uh, so then obviously allows us to establish this notion of solution identity. And what that means is, you know, I can uh, trust between components using that token exchange. So when you log in, obviously you get authenticated still with a, you know, it's like a uh, authentication broker to your repositories or your uh, identity sources. They can be Active Directory domains. They can be Open LDAP environments, NIS, as I mentioned. They can even be multiples of those configured with a single sign-on. Once you're authenticated with that, you're then given a security token, and that security token is then used to access the vSphere 5.1 components like VC, VCO, VCD, etc. As I as I uh, move around the environment, I'm just passing a token around. I'm already authenticated. Mm. So this provides that better architecture multi-factor authentication, multi-site support, multiple directory service types, and it's all based on industry standards today. We have a SAML 2.0 token that's used, and if I'm using the installable version of vCenter, I also have some WTrust uh, tokens that are passed around as well. I think that's probably what made me make that Horizon link in my head, because I know Horizon is based around SAML and OAS standards. So when I was looking through some of the kind of launch readiness material when I was you know, just going through the new hire pro, uh, process, I had that in my head and went, oh, this is blank. Uh, but I wasn't too sure about making too much of a great uh, a link between them, more of a kind of analogy between them is probably a, a better way of putting it. Sure. So so let's, let's, let's uh, take what I've just said verbally and, and let's take a look at what that really means. So we obviously have our users, we have our single sign-on with Chazza database. I'll explain those requirements in a second. And then we're going to use the web client. The desktop client today will continue working as is with uh, the vCenter and direct uh, Active Directory uh, authentication. The web client, as I said, all new functionalities being brought into the web client only will use the single sign-on service. We have our repositories, uh, Active Directories, uh, Spot the typo right there, uh, domain one, domain one. <laughs> uh, but we also have the ability to, uh, you know, have local operating system users from the vCenter server as well as define our own users within the single sign-on database. So if you and I are building a lab, 
I can just go and create a bunch of users in the SSL database. I don't need to have an Active Directory server. I don't need an open LDAP server. I can run directly with local users from a single sign-on server. So the first step, obviously, is we're going to log in with our username and password. That's forwarded to, to the vCenter single sign-on. It issues uh, uh, it's, it's a request for give me a token. Obviously, it needs a username and password to authenticate first. So against the, uh, the repositories, uh, the local users, all the local uh, operating system users uh, are also available. Then that is on success authentication, turn into that SAML 2.0 token, which is passed back to the client, and then that allows me to connect to my vCenters, my vCenter orchestrator, vShield, vCloud director, etc. I noticed, so not only do we... I noticed that when you uh, log on to the, the virtual appliance, you have a, the choice of using root and VMware initially and then you can configure it with Active Directory. Is it possible to turn off the kind of local um, database of users altogether and just purely go through the directory service? Yeah, so so the the, the first thing that, that's that you're always going to have at least one user account, as a super user, so so to speak, that allows you to, you know, when the trouble when the time comes to troubleshoot, I have my, my way into the environment. And right. so we do have a user by default called admin at system-domain, which is the SSO super user, has no access to vCenter, just has access to the SSO environment. But as you install vCenter, as you uh, um, enable uh, the uh, vCenter components on the appliance, for example, the local administrators of that environment are added into single sign-on administrators groups right. so that you can administer from those. But you, you, I wouldn't say a best practice would be to disable them. Obviously, there are password policies that we can apply uh, to, to those user accounts within the single sign-on environment, all the local to the appliance, all local OS users. Uh, but the recommended approach would be to obviously get that two-step factor by going off to an uh, a, uh, identity source to authenticate that user at that point in time. Right, I'm with you. Okay. So one of the great things, and you're going to like this, Mike, is, you know, I've, I've worked with vCenter for quite some time, and we have the ability, I'm going to, I'm going to expand this, uh, this presentation, the slide here, out, but we have the ability now, you know, we've had linked mode that allows us to link up to 10 vCenter servers together and have a unified view across up to those 10 vCenters. Well, the single sign-on, uh, has all the components registered with it during installation, and so you have the ability now to have that unified view using single sign-on and multiple vCenter server instances. There's nothing required. They still are separate ent entities, but within the web client itself, you have that single pane of glass, that word that you, you cringe at, <laughs> allows you to see multiple vCenter servers. It allows you to search across multiple vCenter servers, and uh, I'm looking forward to showing this in, in our part two where we'll actually do a live demo of this. So but one of the things that sometimes people have said about the, the virtual center appliance is the fact that it doesn't have link mode. But I guess is the, the long-term future just making link mode irrelevant? Um, if, the, if the single sign-on service is aware of all these different virtual centers that you've got rights to, I guess the link mode becomes less and less relevant in that new, new world to some degree. So it, it really depends on, on the use case of linked mode. Now, I know, speaking with my customers, that primarily the goal of linked mode is to give me that, that, that unified view, that single pane of glass. So mm -hmm. I want to be able to see everything from my one client. I don't want to have to have a client open for every VC that I'm logged into. Uh, but linked mode actually did a lot more than that, uh, pr providing permissions, roles, and licensing replicated 
between the various instances of vCenter that are uh, so-called linked. What uh, single sign-on is providing is a, you know, this isn't the correct terminology, so don't quote me on this, but it's kind of like a poor man's linked mode to provide that functionality. Mm. But in the long term, you know, we need to be able to provide uh, this this uh, unified view across multiple instances, and it's definitely something that's that's being maintained. I'm actually using the uh, vCenter appliances in my lab environment that we have here, and so you know, this is what we see on the screen here is something that you would, could never have worked with a previous version of the appliance. Uh, but a uh, linked mode will uh, uh, you'll you'll hear it kind of fizzle away. Uh, but the functionality is going to be improved uh, in, a, in a, from a different angle. Understood. Okay. But obviously, uh, the the five one uh, uh, components are auto uh, discovered because they're registered with a single sign on server. The great thing is you can actually get uh, uh, some of this functionality with the new web client with those vCenter five servers. There is a one time manual registration just to get them in the single sign on uh, uh, repository. But once you have them in, then you, you'll be able to manage through the web client the, uh, the 5.0 and 5.1 vCenter servers. Uh, that's as far back as it'll go. It will, we, won't, we can upgrade from 4.0 and 4.1, but we can't obviously uh, manage those uh, with this new technology. All right, okay. So what is a single deployment of, of vCenter today? You know, we've got these additional components. Uh, we have our vCenter server, and that's all we really had in the past. But what, what we really didn't know is is vCenter contained a lot of little individual components and as we've evolved the vCenter server we've kind of moved some of those out so one of those is obviously the inventory service which we'll talk about in a second we have a you know we've had a desktop client in the past we now have a web client so there's a web client server that's involved in 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 the architecture and we have this single sign-on server so for a single VC environment this is kind of what's what what you'll be looking at you have your database obviously but as I have, you know, maybe you have a lab environment in the same data center or have multiple vCenter servers. Well, I can deploy multiple vCenter servers. They still have their own inventory components, but the authentication can all be handled through a centralized SSO server. One of the things you're going to tell me, though, Mike, is, well, what if that SSO server goes down? You know, how do I authenticate? Well, I wouldn't say something like that. It always works. <laughs> well, Obviously, you know, we do have, you know, looking at my bird's eye high overview uh, uh, diagram here, it could be seen as a single point of failure, especially when I have multiple vCenter servers. But don't worry, I've got you covered there, Mike, because we can provide a environment built into the, the single sign-on uh, environment uh, where we have multiple instances uh, using a shared database. So they're all using the same database, uh, and those instances You'll need one defined as a primary, which would be have to, uh, excuse me, would in the first release, the 5.1 release, be a Windows installable version of the single sign-on server set as primary. And then you, you can have either the installable single sign-on or the appliance version of the single sign-on as slaves within this clustered environment. Uh, there is a load balance required. Uh, we're doing some testing right now with uh, a whole host of solutions that our customers have in their environment, but we have documented processes around uh, using uh, Apache HTTPD as a load balancer uh, on our support uh, pages today. But the idea is web client, vCenter server, inventory server, multiple vCenter servers, they're all configured to use that shared load balancer name. And then uh, we have multiple instances. So if one instance is down, we still have the ability to, uh, to uh, continue that authentication process. 
And if the primary goes down, is there some sort of election process by which that primary gets moved? Well, they all—they're uh, not stateless, but they all have the ability to provide the the authentication service requests without uh, the primary being available. You could actually, you know, just like a certificate server, for example, you could take the primary and turn it off and lock it in a in a in a closet, and then you'll get the same functionality. There are some steps available to to promote a slave to a, uh, a primary instance, uh, which you'll find on our, our KB uh, VMware.com. Uh, but yes, you do have that functionality. It's not an automated election, but you do have the ability to to change roles. I'm with you. Yep. But I want to go further than that. This is just a single data center. You know, I can't do the stretch cluster. Everyone's doing metropolitan clusters. Everyone's having geographically dispersed data centers these days around the world locations, for example. And so we can take what we've what we've just discussed, a single instance or a clustered instance of the SSO environment and geographically uh, place those across my, my uh, data centers that are worldwide, for example. We can see New York, Los Angeles, and Bangalore in our example here. So I've got my primary, I've got my slaves. Uh, there is uh, one of the, uh, the... This requirement is actually used if we do need to maintain linked mode within... Uh, you know, I've used linked mode today, and I'm going forward. I like linked mode. I want to keep it. I need those roles, those permissions replicated, etc. You will need to use the multi-site uh, um, deployment of SSO. Uh, the multi-site is basically a replica of that primary to create that slave, and then the local vCenter is using the local instance of SSO. You do, if you're not using link mode, uh, lose the single pane of glass across the entire environment with this uh, topology, uh, and we can talk more about that if, uh, as, as the, the questions arise. Uh, but there will be uh, configuration is replicated automatically between those instances, but the database that's required for SSO to work uh, will need it to be manually copied and replicated between the, the various locations. But guess what? There's not a lot of, of churn in these databases. You could do this on a weekly or even a monthly, or even as changes occur within the SSO environment, uh, you could then uh, just, just initiate a, a replication at that point. But it is, it is manual. Because it's not like people are doing delegation every five minutes on these objects at the end of the day. You know, if I'm using local SSO user accounts and I change a password, then I'm, I, that may be only relevant to one, one site. Or if it's relevant to all sites, maybe it's a service account, for example, then obviously I can just kick off and update that database across those other sites at that point in time. But it's, as you say, it's not a, uh, you know, got to turn this on the I.O. over to the other databases, you know. Mm. So installing this, uh, I put this in there because uh, through some of the, you know, this is a new component for the, the vCenter environment. Typically, you know, I'd throw in that ISO and I'd say install vCenter or update vCenter, for example. Well, with vCenter single sign-on, you have to have this installed prior to any other component in the environment. And we'll touch base on this in, in the, uh, when we touch, uh, talk on installation in a second. But before we can uh, um, deploy vSphere 5, uh, vCenter 5.1, we have to decide, you know, how am I going to deploy the single sign-on? Basic primary multi-site, you know, we've got to obviously decide the, the, the architecture there. We need our databases. Uh, we've been pushing, but we couldn't get SQL 2012 on the supported database for single sign-on. And uh, most people are kind of like to hold off into a service pack or release with the Microsoft products. And uh, I think we're pretty well covered uh, with the 2005, 2008, including R2 and Oracle 10G and 11G. We have that power user that we mentioned uh, that, that gets installed. 
And then uh, the installable uh, environment uh, provides two services here, the Tomcat service, the, the web container that runs the actual single sign-on server, and then the SSPI for so Windows uh, Trust uh, token transfers. But this is all included in the vCenter server appliance. And that's, uh, you know, stick around to part three because we're going to show, I, I want to show some, some great use cases of the appliance within the vSphere environment. I was saying to Justin before we actually started the recording, I've made the cross the Rubicon or cross to the other side. I, I've been restructuring my lab ready for me to do some work around the vCloud director exams. And I've decided to move over to the appliance in this particular edition. Now that the support is there, there's absolutely no reason for me to, to hold off any longer. And I've gone down the, the virtual appliance route. And I found it very easy to set up the appliance, but very easy to set up SSO as part of it as well, because I didn't have to worry about the database issues at all. You've joined us on the dark side, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's move on um, and let's talk about the, the inventory service. Uh, this is actually a, a, a feature that we released in 5.0, but the web client uh, that utilized the inventory service wasn't really too well used. And so a lot of people didn't really know uh, that it was there or what it actually did. So I hope to, to change some of that. So... Most of the client information displayed is a read of the vCenter um, VPXD calls or the database uh, information. And to help with some of the performance of that, we've created the inventory service, which is originally a separate process. It's now actually a separate component. Uh, it can be installed on a separate server, but it's very small. But it's an XDB uh, copy of the vCenter inventory. And so it's a cached copy and allows us to get that information much quicker into the client and only deliver what the client wants to see. The desktop client is saying, give me everything that's changed and I'll show what, what they're, they're wanting to see on the screen. But the, the, the inventory service allows us to cache that information without taking a hit on the vCenter core services and provide that information to, to the client. It is obviously uh, you know very dependent on the, the database connection. So... You can leave it on the vCenter server, or if it's a, a huge environment where you're really pushing the boundaries with our scalability, then uh, you can also put it on a, a separate server as necessary. And it's 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 a very uh, simple service. It's very uh, uh, carefree, uh, but we've enhanced it. We've you know this is just a cache of what I see in the inventory. You know, I know you've told me before in the past, Mike, but you know you log in in the morning into your environment could be a, a middle-sized environment and you get the white, the, you get the frame of the, the client, but you get mm. no inventory displayed. You go get a coffee, you come back, and it's slowly appearing one at a time sort of thing. Well, this inventory service removes that, that, that performance hit that we're having because vCenter itself is doing stuff, and you're telling vCenter, while you do that, go get me all this information. Give me, give me the catalog of what you have. And the inventory service with that cache definitely enables much snappier performance, and you'll see that when you get your hands on the web client. Mm. I've seen it even quicker with the, the vSphere client, the full client that I'm using against both the appliance and I'm using the web client as well, just to sort of compare the differences between them. And um, certainly the virtual, the vSphere client seems to be much more responsive than it used to be in terms of clicking around uh, in, in my environment. Exactly, because you can have the web client for, you, for all of your, your informational users and as much as the desktop client does not use the inventory service itself, the performance from the web clients has reduced the load on vCenter itself, 
And so that's where you're probably seeing some of that benefit. I understand. But obviously, inventory is, is good. How, how do I optimize it? How do I you know, get better at that? Well, when you're looking for some, some research, Mike, where do you go? You go typically to one of the large search engines. You'll type in Mike Laverick's Chinwag, and it's going to come back with a lot of results. How do, how, you know, that's kind of what I call a consumerism uh, uh, approach to finding information. But why should that be any different to what we're doing with our virtual data centers, our software-defined data centers? And so we have the ability now you know, to include tags. Tags are metadata from outside the environment that can be applied across all inventory objects. So I have the ability to say, hey, Mike, here's your VMs, here's your data store, here's your networks, here's the host that you're on. While at the same time, I can say, Justin, you know, Here's your applications that you're using, and I can use you know geographical locations. So I can say you know, UK has these hosts. I can say Texas has these hosts, and I can define finance applications. I can define uh, human resources. I can uh, your gaming server, Mike. We can we can put tags on that. You can put multiple tags on a single uh, object so that you have really granular metadata that is searchable. So the idea is what we were doing, you know, from that consumerism example, you can now apply all of this additional metadata and be able to find objects very quickly uh, with this metadata data applied in your environment. And the idea is we want to help you uh, find information, take action on that information, and move on to the next thing as quick as possible. And tagging is definitely something that's going to help you there. But you could be asking me, well, I have folders, I have custom attributes, where, where does all that fit into? So rather than let me discuss that, let me, let's walk through a couple of examples here. Okay. So the disadvantages with folders, and uh, you know, I like folders, I'm not knocking them with this, but you can only put an object into one folder. You can't put an object into multiple folders. So for example, I have a bunch of VMs on the screen here, and I know that some of them are separated in New York, and some of them are separated as finance VMs. Now I have a finance folder, I have a New York folder, but I've got some overlap here as we can see. I can't put those into both, so I have to make a decision. Do I keep them under the, the New York VMs or do I keep as v, uh, finance VMs? You can't do this with these two with folders. You have to you know, separate them out. So what tagging allows us to do, we can tag a New York VM tag, we can have finance tags, and that allows us to keep all of those VMs uh, tied in at that point so I can separate them, I can group them as necessary. I want to find just my New York City VMs, I'll search for that tag. I want to find the finance VMs, I'll search for that tag. It doesn't matter if they're part of both both uh, uh, groups at that point, because tag around there. I guess the other thing that you could say is how I organize my VMs is from my perspective, from an infrastructure perspective, but the application owners who are responsible for those VMs they approach them from an entirely different perspective. So you, you, you have the potentially of different constituents being interested in organizing, organizing information in one way, which is not necessarily the way another demographic wants that information arranged for themselves. Exactly, and you could even enhance your, your infrastructure by saying, these are my VMs of four gigs, these are my VMs with eight gigs of memory, etc. Mm. So you, the possibilities are great. But folders are not going away just yet. There's a lot of uh, capability with tagging, uh, but folders you can still define permissions. 
Uh, we don't have the ability to put ta uh, permissions on tags today mm -hmm. and pushing the PMs because that gives us a great uh, story as we go forward in the future. So stay tuned for, for information on that. Mm. But what about custom attributes? You know, we've had them around. You know, it's kind of, uh, from my experience, a low use case on, on people that use them. Uh, it is limited to what you can apply custom attributes to, but, but what, what, what's the deal with those? Well, they will exist for 5.1. They will coexist with tags. Custom attributes you will see from the desktop client. Uh, you will see them in the web client, but you do not get to see tags in the desktop client. And so uh, you will, you can create new tags, etc. obviously, but if you want to uh, make changes to your custom attributes, you will have to use the desktop client uh, to, to make those, those edits. But I want to move all those custom attributes I've applied. You know, maybe I've used a lot of them. Let's let's. I have the ability to do a one-time migration, so that I can turn all of those custom attributes into tags. Because what we really feel is the custom attributes they're on the way out the door. I'm sorry, I got to say it, but they're they're headed out uh, that that door. And tags are really the future. The granularity that we get with tagging um, and the the potential that we have going forward is, is huge, and that that's really going to help our. our cloud administrators in the future. Okay. So let's uh, let's touch base on the installer here. You know, we've we've talked about a couple of additional components, and uh, you know, as I said, I'm a ISO guy. I throw it in, I run the, the installer, and walk away, come back, and it's all done. Well, we've got some some uh, additional components now. We've got to understand how how all that really falls together. So. As I said before, vCenter 5.0, you would download the image, you would download a client, put it on your desktop. With 5.1 on the Windows, we obviously have our single sign-on server, we have an inventory service, we have our vCenter server itself, and we have the, the web client. So we have four components to install. Uh, we don't have to put anything on the desktop anymore because the vSphere web client, which we'll hear in part two, is our primary client for, for administrating the environment in vSphere 5.1 and so there is no ne no reason uh, to use a desktop client although we will touch base on that in a bit more detail uh, when we talk next Mike. Uh, but also all of this is also included in that vCenter server appliance so we have all of these components already installed and configured they just need to be enabled uh, with the appliance so we have you know two two great use cases here for getting vCenter up and running in your environment I know which I'd pick out of two which is the easiest and I can be up in minutes but we do obviously understand uh, a lot of upgrades are coming through uh, um, these days. It's not so much of a, a rip out and replace uh, how, how it used to be in the past. Uh, people are, you know, the inventories are too big, so we are keeping uh, uh, rolling upgrades uh, on, on, the, on the roadmap, for example. Sure. I think what, um, what, what I like about this is no need to install the client anymore because I have a number of different machines where... Uh, if I forgot, I would connect to Virtual Center and say you've got a client update to do of like 200 meg or more. But also, I, I once signed up to a, a thread about um, people on Apple Mac who, who wanted uh, VMware to develop a vSphere client for the Mac. And I, I was saying to them like two or three years ago, why do you want such a thing? Uh, surely the future is a clientless environment where all you need is a a certified web browser and from that web browser you do all your administration that will be the real future and I do think I still believe that's the case so I'm kind of hoping that that Macintosh thread I signed up for will just go
go away because after I signed up to it, I've like got a million emails. <laughs> I had to switch off my subscription. It's like, can we not talk about this anymore? Stop adding plus one to the end of this 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 thread. It's not adding anything, you know. But you know, that's that's forums, I guess, for you. Yep, and but you're exactly right. You don't. You can go to you know basically a a standalone machine if necessary that you've never used before. And as long as it has a browser that that we support, you'll be able to log in and do all of the administration as if you're on your own personal work uh, laptop, whether it's a Mac or or Linux or Windows. So that's some some uh, some great stuff. Yeah. So we do have to um, obviously install these components in a certain order because there are dependencies on these various services. And so as we move into the order of installation, I'm going to, you know, obviously the single sign-on is the most critical piece. That's the authentication piece of the vSphere 5.1 environment. So that does need to go first. There's, we, we've talked on some of the, uh, the areas, you know, do I do it as a standalone? Do I do it as a clustered uh, deployment or even a multi-site deployment? Then the next piece I need to do is I need to install a vCenter server inventory service. And this is actually configured. It needs to be authenticated. So it's actually configured with a single sign-on server and is uh, um, then moved on to the, the vCenter server itself where you can get the, your, your environment either upgraded or installed to the 5.1. But we do, you know, obviously we remove the step of deploying a local desktop client you will need to deploy the uh, vSphere web client server component. Uh, another great use case of the appliance, stay tuned, part three, we can go through all of this. Little plug there, Mike. But uh, we uh, obviously do have to get it up and running the, for, for, the, for the, the use case uh, to be able to administer the environment. And then it's free uh, and open for everyone uh, with, with their credentials to log in and, and get what they have given access to. We can upgrade from a 4.0 environment. We can go straight to 5.1, uh, but the, the same cause with those components. Single sign-on is the first step. Even though 4.1, uh, 4.0 will not even touch the single sign-on server, you need that before you can do the upgrades of those, those versions. Then, uh, I've actually been relaying this a different way, but one of the engineers uh, slapped my wrist and said, no, when you get that single sign-on installed, you need to administer it a little bit. So we have the web client as a second step here, so I can go in and maybe add those identity sources if necessary for the single sign-on. So when I get to inventory service and the vCenter environment on the upgrade piece, I can uh, they're, they're already uh, able to, uh, to, to function at that point in time. Okay. okay. And then uh, uh, because of these many components, we want to help you out. We, we want to make it you know, easy. You know, look at the list here. This is crazy. If I looked at this you know, a couple of years ago when I first started looking at VMware technologies, I would have said, that's too much there. There's too much going on. I need something simple. And so what we've actually done is, is provided this uh, simple install that will take the top three common components, which would be the single sign-on server, the uh, inventory service, and uh, the vCenter server itself uh, in one install and either upgrade or do a vanilla install maybe for a lab environment and provide that functionality. Obviously, this is installable. This is already a part of the, uh, uh, the appliance uh, strategy. But why, why would I use a simple in, uh, install? Well, obviously, single server environments, maybe a physical server, uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, we jumped out of thread there. So when I should use this option. So obviously, for sing single environments, small environments, lab environments, this is kind of the big use case where everything is on the same server. That, that's that's where a simple install would be utilized. But we know our customers have large environments. They try to outdo us with the complexity and the environments, et cetera. I need to architect that a little bit better 
and we obviously have these components from an advanced install. So if I do need to set up SSO, the single sign-on service, as a clustered environment or multi-site, I'm not going to get that on a single install. So I have to go through and, and, and run that separately. So I have this advanced option where I can install those components in the architecture that I've designed and obviously uh, run those on separate servers, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So we've uh, we've kind of covered our bases with the, with the you know trying to help out for the the small shop, but also uh, provided the the necessary modularization. You know, we, remember going back to the beginning, we're, we're building out this platform, this management platform framework, and this all is the foundations of that framework that everything uh, as we move forward will build on top of. And that's uh, that, that's what we have for part one, Mike. So that's covered single time with inventory service and uh, the installation um, overview of the steps, the process required. So I want to thank you for, for having me on here. You're welcome. And part two is going to get very, very lively, very interesting. It's something I'm very passionate about, talking about the web client, as well as some great headways we've made with the performance of vCenter Server. And then after that, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk appliance, and that's going to be, uh, that's gonna be a, good, uh, a good session too. So. And don't forget to plug your blog and the uh, the Twitter ID. I post directly to the, the vSphere blog, um, blogs.vmware.com, vSphere slash uh, vCenter-server. Well, just follow me on Twitter, vCenterGuy. I, I uh, release little tidbits, uh, little uh, uh, tips and tricks uh, that can help you out, as well as uh, keep an eye out to see what, what the challenges are out there with vCenter-server especially with the new release and, and try to help uh, accommodate those requests the best I can, whether it's uh, writing a blog to help you out or, or uh, you know, updating collateral maybe. Sure. Well, thank you very much for being on the show and uh, please stay tuned for the next part, part two. What an exciting <laughs> sequence of numbers we've got there. Thanks, Mike.